Hi, my name is Shirley Bilson, and I'm your host for the Revelation podcast. This podcast is about reinvention, courageous goal setting, and inclusive thinking for results. It's a mix of personal journey, reinvention stories, strategies, and exploring the critical role of what goes on between your ears, taking a conscious look at unconscious thinking. Always remember, if you jump in deep enough, you don't have time to be scared. Hello, podcast listeners. The whole of this week's episodes, in fact, the whole of the rest of this month's episodes are likely to be a little bit short and sweet, or to choose a different analogy, quick and dirty. Um, so I make apologies in advance, but sometimes... I think if I make an episode shorter, it focuses my mind perhaps a little more than normal or not. Anyway, today's episode, I'm just going to share with you why that's the case. As you know, because I've mentioned it a lot, I'm writing a book and the deadline for submitting this book is the end of this month. And whilst I'm kind of roughly there with the first edit, I mean, we're talking rough. Have I had enough time to do this? Yes, I have. Have I used that time effectively and well? Probably not. In fact, the evidence would suggest definitely not. And so what I'm now tasked with doing is doing really good edits around 30 pages a day-ish for the next week to get to a more polished draft that I can then go in and do a nice clean edit of things like formatting and just tweaking and adding those nice bits which is the state I'd really like to be in right now but I'm not. Uh, so so that's what I'm doing but I just want to share with you a, you know just a little aside it has nothing to do with anything really but I was there's a piece a section I'm working on at the moment which I have borrowed in edited version from uh, I think it's it's either Seth Godin or there's there's a specific school in India which is a fantastic school and they put out a little infographic that appeared on social media and I thought oh god that's so good they just summarized beautifully a lot of the key elements I'm talking about. In case you're wondering, this book is about mental health leadership in secondary schools. I may have forgotten to mention that in this episode. So I've been using that thinking, oh, no, I really like what they said. I'm just changing the wording of it, but the structure is very similar. And I was also going to use some of the people that they've quoted, only looking up, you know, who they are and a little bit about them to support, you know, just not plucking a random quote without attaching it to anything because that is something my publisher wouldn't let me do. So so they quote this guy called Dan Pink, and he says, you may already know, as I say that, who that is, but I didn't really know who it was. I'm just trying to find the original quote, which would require me to listen to the paper rustling. Bear with while I have a little looky-looky. Now I've deleted it now. Can't tell you. Okay, where was I? So anyway, this Dan Pink, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll look him up. Because there's a quote, but it's not attributed to a paper or a book that he's written. So I thought, okay, I need to find where he's written this or 
find a different quote from the same person. So it starts off promisingly, but it's from his own website. It's described as the number one New York Times best-selling author of two books called When and Drive, neither of which I know about. So then I glance across because Google on the whole is pretty good. Let me not go down my Google path. I've always liked Google, but I've got a bit off them recently, which I might share with you why in a moment. Anyway, Daniel Pink, American author. Okay, that's fine. But then it says, Daniel H. Pink is an American author. He has written six books, four of them New York Times bestsellers. Whoopie-doo. He was a host and co-executive producer of the 2014 National Geographic Channel social science TV series Crowd Control. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that's cool. From 1995 to 97. Okay, this is where this is where I suddenly went, delete. He was the chief speechwriter for Vice President Al Gore. Well, I may be having my American politics a little bit confused here and I hope you'll set me straight if that's correct, but wasn't Al Gore the one that we all remember because he was always saying things that were total foot in mouth quotes that they could sound by and plaster all over the media. This was before we had social media and trolling. This was in the days when traditional media reigned. So we had TV and print. I'm pretty certain although I've been certain about things that I have no right to be certain about, this could be one of them, but I think that Al Gore was that person. I think, hang on a minute, do I really want to be quoting in a book that I want people to take seriously in its content and its recommendations, the man that wrote was the chief speechwriter for Vice President Al Gore? Nah, I don't think so. So, uh, I'm just, I'm just sharing that as a story. So he's been deleted. I don't need his quote. Uh, I can, I can speak for myself on this one. I just thought it'd be nice to have a little bit of extra, but no, no, he's not. Sorry, Dan. You know, you don't need my approval. You're clearly doing all right without me, but not appropriate for said English education system book, whatever. Uh, so, uh, Oh yeah, Google. All right, I'll share this story with you because clearly this episode is nothing about menopause or midlife other than my own little scrambled brain. Uh, you know, might actually put you off ever thinking about working with me. You think, oh, crikey, if that's, if that's the best <laughs> that you get out of it, leave me out, not for me. But there again, some of you might enjoy my... my uh, light-hearted insanity we'll call it that uh so google why are google not quite my favorite people anymore now i know some people vehemently dislike google anyway and i used to wonder at this i remember working with a coach who was australian and uh he was very anti-google he would never say why it's like oh don't mention the war kind of a thing i used to think but why what's wrong with google Google's lovely. You type in any damn thing you like and you get all these results. I couldn't see anything wrong with it. Until this last couple of years. And this is where this is a divide and conquer Marmite episode. I'm not a fan of Trump. Okay, so for anyone who likes him, you want to zone out now or troll me or whatever. I don't like or trust the man. He's born 
lying. Okay, okay, I've said it now. And I shouldn't really get political because that's not what this podcast is about. But I just want to share with you why I don't trust Google anymore. So on the whole, people that have been maligned and slandered, like Google goes up, well, I'm so sorry, you know, they don't do anything about it, they don't care. And it can ruin people's lives. And so, but I've always thought, yeah, but they're kind of they're kind of holding fast to we don't touch it, we just, you know, we just generate searches. And we could go down a whole different foxhole with that one, black hole, call it what we will. Sometimes it's a foxhole, sometimes it's a rabbit hole, sometimes it's a black hole. Anyway, today it's a foxhole. And where was I going with this? Uh, mm, yes. So, so I was thinking this in the days before we had the scale of misinformation that we have now. It was at the time when I'm, you know, I'm a child of the 60s. A kind of, there's a deep-seated underpinning of trust in journalism that comes from things like Watergate and uh, John Pilger and coverage of Vietnam and stuff like that where where journalism had integrity. So it takes a lot for someone like me to have that unraveled and dismantled to the extent that I go, <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> which is a bit sad because it used to be that I used to work in the NHS. I used to manage the communications and some of it I wasn't very comfortable about massaging a brand and glossing over things you really shouldn't be glossing over. And there was only really a couple of publications I go, okay, no, no, I'm not dealing with them because you won't report this properly. But on the whole, I still had this deep-seated trust in journalism and Google. And then as social media has taken over and proliferated and anyone can say anything and sound plausible and draw other people into their plausibility, I may be one of the said people. I like to think I always preface my random claims with this is a random claim and it's just my point of view. I hope I do. But you might be thinking, what's this got to do with Trump? Right, why did you even mention that? And I am kind of thinking, why did I mention that? Because it does sort of open me up for attack. But anyway, there was a video and I saw the video it was before he was elected or about the time when he was running for president. And so I did watch the video and he clearly was in an interview and it goes back. He looked very youthful. So I'm guessing 80s latest and a TV interview. I can't remember. And I wish I could remember the interview, but I can't. I just remember him. And he clearly said, and it's reported all over Google, except Everybody says it's a lie, it's fake news, and you can't now find the said video. Uh, he said, you know, oh, he was asked about whether he would ever run for office, and he was like, oh, no, I don't think I would. But if I ever did, uh, I'd probably run for Republicans because their voters are more stupid. Now, he actually did. I heard him say something along those lines. I know I've just alienated so many people. But I watched it. I heard him say it. And... Nowadays, I know this technology that can fake video and audio too, but I'm going back a few years. So I don't think that was proliferating then. I could be wrong. So, so I remember this and then 
I kept thinking when he was elected, when everyone was saying how amazing he was, he had such a ground swell of support, still does, and accusing everybody else of fake news and lying. And I was thinking, hold on a minute, why are these people defending this man who's basically called you all stupid? And so I thought, God, I need to find that video again. And I, you know, I just I need to find it. I was thinking of sharing it on my own social media channel, going, uh, mm, just just saying but i probably wouldn't have done because i generally i'm so, i mean as i'm speaking as thinking, why are you doing this anyway done it now cat's out of the bag couldn't find it anywhere so i'm googling for all i'm worth i cannot find this video instead what i find are links to threads on social media or elsewhere claiming that this is fake news, that this video never existed, that the people that don't like Trump made it up and fabricated this. I have no interest in doing that. I'm not American. Why, why, why would I care? I just thought it was interesting. Uh, and so there's no link anywhere. I mean, the genuine, I couldn't find, I thought, no, this is odd. Cause I know, I didn't imagine this. I know I found this video and I watched it when he was running for office. So we're going back a few years. And so I suddenly thought, well, hang on a minute. Google never takes anything down, but I have heard that there are certain agencies you have to pay them a lot of money, and not because they're trying to rip anyone off, but because it's really difficult. But if you have the need to protect your reputation and there is something, because at the time, Google and the internet keep everything over all time. Like you can't go back and delete everything, but certain agencies existed that could somehow, I don't know whether it's through the courts or, or what, but persuade Google, or maybe not even that, maybe do some little jiggery, popery, pokery technical trick that would bury a piece of information so deep, you know, like page 9 million and 90, you know, I wish I hadn't picked a million there because now I'm lost, 999,999. So that no one ever finds it. It's too deep. Like you're never going to find it. It's there, but you're not going to find it. And when I thought that, I thought, hang on a minute, that this is the only way, then I started to not trust Google anymore. Mm, you just buried something. Anyway, this episode has nothing to do with anything other than a brain dump from my head and the vagaries of what weirdness goes on when I'm probably becoming a bit stir crazy from doing this book. So expect more weirdness. Uh, just lost some of my audience probably, but hey-ho, we all stand on a different side and I'm not saying people are wrong, you know, it's all, the mountain looks different depending on what side you're standing on. That's one of the things I always say. So. Uh, it's not about what's true or not true. It's about truth looks different depending on what side you're standing on. Just saying, okay, enough, Shirley. Get your foot out of your mouth. You see, it was Al Gore started this. It was Al Gore. It's your fault, Al. I don't know, even American. Why do I? Because in England, we like, <laughs> we like to criticise people on the other side of the pond. It makes us feel better about our own buffoons, I think. There you are. That's my get out clause, which probably doesn't work. Right. Um, I would say head over to Menopause Anxiety Freedom Group, but today's episode doesn't really have much to do with that. So um, 
have a brilliant rest of day. I will probably at some point put some relatively, well, no, it will be a serious piece of training in the group on a live video. It'll be short and sweet. And other than that, if you're still interested in listening after today, I'll catch you tomorrow. Have a brilliant rest of the day. Bye for now. Thank <music> you.